0: Uh, But we're going to read now from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, mission in my world didn't really exist until about 2006. I've been a Christian for maybe 13 years already, and uh, a couple of friends of mine who had been to Bible college came to the church that I was at at the time, a Presbyterian church in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, and uh, they came as student pastors. And I remember it was great to have them because I, I did my profession of faith in a different denomination with John uh, and his wife Corrine. They were good friends and, and they'd come to our congregation to be student pastors with the idea that they would go to Ecuador as missionaries. Now one day I, uh, I, was, I was meeting with John I guess and he said I've been speaking to the, the, the session which is the Presbyterian leadership and, uh, and they've said that I can approach you and ask you to be the missions convener. Now I was in finance at the time I didn't even know what missions was and, uh, and I remember going i got no idea what you're talking about. And he goes, that's all right, we'll take you on a journey and you'll learn all about it and, and, uh, and you know, it, it'll, be, it'll be fine. You know how people, when they want you to do something, like it'll be fine. Well, it kind of wasn't fine, but it was fine. And over the next three or four years, I think my faith changed dramatically. In fact, that was probably the catalyst for me going to Bible college and ending up doing a role like this as a pastor of a church, having gone out to the Kimberley and gone to the Pilbara uh, to minister out there. This all started by someone coming to me and saying, it'll be fine, just be the missions convener. The thing about missions that I found, though, is that often churches don't really understand what mission is. And this morning, I just want to take us through a journey, I guess, that I went on over many years to, to come to an understanding of just how exciting it is to be engaged with God's mission. It led me to Bible college. I even managed to be asked to lecture on how to establish an effective missions team and all this. It's a mission. Is it really at a, I have a real heart for mission And I want our church as well to engage with mission. We have a missions team. Their role isn't to do mission. Their role is to be the catalyst for the whole of our church to be engaged in mission. So this morning, I just want to answer a simple question. What is mission? What is mission? Well, the first thing that I just want to uh, point out That mission is actually not our mission. We are talking about God's mission. And it's a mission to restore his kingdom to all people of the earth. So I just want to take you on a bit of a journey through the Bible. Because often we say, oh yeah, Matthew 28, Jesus says we have to go and make disciples. So we have to fit that somewhere. Oh look, he's just read Acts 1, yep. Go out in, uh, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth and uh, be my witnesses. Yeah, that's all part of mission. But I want to show you that mission has been unchanging right from the creation of the world. This isn't just a New Testament thing. We can go all the way back to Genesis 1.28 in the creation mandate. And if you remember what we were told to do as perfect humans before the fall... It was to go forth and multiply and fill the earth. Why? To bring God glory. And how does that happen? Because we were created in his image. So he created man and woman in the garden in his image to be his reflection upon the earth to go and subdue it and fulfill this entire earth in order to bring him glory. Now as you know, Genesis 3 came and uh, it didn't kind of pan out so well. We already uh, decided to disobey him and take the fruit of the tree to the knowledge of good and evil and sin entered the world. And the restoration of God and his people became the heart of mission from that point. Now if you remember, we had a flood to, to wipe out and cleanse the earth. We went through Genesis earlier this year to cleanse the earth. And then in Genesis eight seventeen, as Noah comes out of the ark, that creation mandate is repeated, to be fruitful and multiply on the earth in order to bring God glory. Genesis 11, we come to the Tower of Babel. Instead of going out to the earth, uh, to the ends of the earth, to bring God glory and fulfil it and multiply, what do they do? They start building a tower to try to reach up to God. They start building cities. They start uh, building their own kingdoms. And so what does God do? He confuses their language and scatters them to the ends of the earth. Uh, We come to Genesis 12... And, uh, and, and Genesis 15 and God in a very pivotal moment in all of history gives the covenant to Abraham and in Genesis 12 he says that I will make you I, I will give you a land I will make you a great nation and you will be a blessing to all nations on the earth now if you Uncertain whether this is just God's mission. Well, Genesis 15, the covenant is made uh, and then the, the rights of that covenant by animals being cut in two. Only the torch passes through. God passes through. It's God's promise. It's God's covenant to restore his kingdom. And then we come to the Exodus. The God's people are in slavery to Egypt and we read this in Exodus 9, 15 to 16. For by now, and this is during uh, the plagues in Egypt, for by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people, talking uh, talking to Pharaoh, with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. See, the glory of God's name has always been at the heart of his mission. He brings his people out of Egypt. He takes them to the promised land. They enter the promised land. They build a temple. And then during the dedication of Solomon of the temple... We read this, As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when they, came and when they come and pray toward this temple. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name And fear you, as do your own people Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. You see, the gospel, the good news, that God's kingdom was always meant for all the earth. Often uh, uh, the, the Israelites really fell into this trap of thinking that they were God's people and that was always the case. And it wasn't for the surrounding nations but they were to be a light to the Gentiles, to bring glory and salvation to them. Well, they didn't do that. And so God sends them out into exile, to Babylon. And following the exile, we read this in Isaiah 49, 5-6. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather him, Israel to himself, for I am honoured in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says... It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. See, our mission has always been the same. God's people have always existed to proclaim his name to the ends of the earth in order to bring him glory and to restore his kingdom. And in the passage I read in Acts uh, 1.8, there's a very crucial question right in the middle of it and there's a reason Luke who wrote Acts uh, has it right at the beginning. He references the kingdom And and the question is, are you at this time, they ask Jesus, going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, See, they've even missed the point there. They're not restoring the kingdom to Israel. He says, no, it's not for you to know the times and the dates, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, not to restore the kingdom to Israel, but to the ends of the earth, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And just to highlight this, at the end of Acts, to just to show that all of Acts, which we see is the great mission book of the early church, Luke bookends... This idea of the kingdom of God being the purpose of mission. At the very end, we're told for two whole years, Paul stayed in Rome in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ in all boldness and unhinderedly is the actual word there. To the very last word of the book of Acts, unhinderedly. And many people say we now live in Acts 29 because this is the extension of the mission. It's always been the mission from creation to give God the greatest glory by his people going to the ends of the earth and reflecting him and drawing all people and all nations to a servitude and to a worship and to a love of the very creator God that has, saved, that has created us and seeks to restore us and reconcile us into relationship with him. Well, just to say, well, did Jesus ever say this? Well, he said it in Acts 1, but look at the very end of uh, his gospel. Uh, as they're on the road to Emmaus, we're told he opened their, uh, their minds so they could understand the scriptures. This is the resurrected Jesus. He told them this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. You see, mission is God's mission. It's always been his mission and it is to build his kingdom from all the people and all the nations of the earth. Well, the second thing I want to point out is the mission of restoring God's kingdom is achieved through witness. You see, it is God's mission But we are the instruments he uses to fulfill that mission through our witness of him. And he mentions it there. You will be my witnesses in Acts uh, chapter 1 in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that reflects what I just read in Luke chapter 24. You are witnesses of these things. Now a witness gives testimony. I'm pretty sure I've uh, shared this before. I've had to give testimony as a witness. I think there's been a couple of times. But this one instance, I was living over in the eastern suburbs. And, uh, and Ellie and I were married not that long. And we were serving in the church there, both employed there as I was studying. Uh, and Ellie was studying. And, and we were just walking down uh, one of the roads one day. And there was this uh, man standing over a woman and absolutely berating her and uh, he looked angry and violent Uh, and it was one of those moments where you say to yourself "Uh, do i get involved now this guy was three times the size of me Uh, i would have called him goliath in a previous uh, time i think and he was angry and so uh, she didn't look too afraid to be honest and it looked like they'd done this before so we decided to just hover and just kind of see what happens and i believe you know, it kind of settled down a bit. Anyway, uh, later on we walked back along that road heading home and there was police cars. And I was thinking, oh, no, uh, I should have done something. And anyway, I went over and said, oh, look, what's happened? And they said, oh, there was a, someone's walk down the street and started destroying people's properties. obviously really angry. And, uh, and they said, did you see anything? I said, well, this is what happened. And they said, oh, would you be a witness? Could you come to the station and record a, a, a witness statement? Could you give testimony of what you saw? Because what he was doing and how he was beforehand will give us the evidence uh, so that we can convict him. And so I was asked to be a witness. Now, my job was to remember accurately and to bear no falsities, but in, in as much truth as I could, what I saw, what I knew, and, uh, and, and what was before me at that time. See, this is what we're called to do, to bear testimony as witnesses, not just to uh, anything, but to a man who lived in history who we know is Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin, who was raised again on the third day. Now you'll say, well, I wasn't there presently. I wasn't right there. I didn't see him die. I didn't see him raised from the dead. But here there are witnesses who did. And in fact, the beginning of Luke's, the Luke's uh, gospel, he starts by saying this. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses. See, being witnesses of Jesus was at the very heart of the early church and the gospel, the good news going out. Having eyewitnesses, having people who lived and breathed and watched the miracles and see the things happen was critical and now, as God's people, it is critical for us to witness of the impact Jesus is having in our lives. And if you notice at the beginning of Acts, he talks about the first book, which is the Gospel of Luke, in which Jesus began to do and to teach. What he's saying is that this second uh, book is very much about what Jesus continues to do and to teach. Now you think about that, Jesus ascends into heaven uh, right at the end of that passage in verse 11. So Jesus remains active, he remains uh, uh, involved in the world and through the Holy Spirit he works the, the, the building of the kingdom and that continues today. Now each of us should have a testimony who bear witness to Jesus. My testimony Uh, comes from people that I met through a soccer team down in the western suburbs of, uh, of Sydney. They introduced me to him for three years. I couldn't believe that someone would gift you something. I thought I had to earn my place in God's heaven, which is the prevailing view. I'm not good enough. I speak to people all the time. I say, why don't you just come to church? Oh, no, the whole building will fall down on top of me. Why do they think that? Because they think they're not good enough. Well, the truth is, that's the whole point. The whole point is that we are not good enough, none of us. And our witness and our testimony is how God has given us freedom and set us free from that burden of thinking that he's going to punish us And the wrath and the anger that is upon us because of our sin, we are set free from that when we put our trust in Jesus. That happened to me on uh, January the 27th, 1997. might have been the 26th. It might have been Australia Day. Up at Katoomba Youth Convention. I heard the good news of what Jesus had done. He died on the cross. He was raised to life on the third day. And all who put their trust in him will find forgiveness for their sin. They will be forgiven, set free. The shame, the guilt is gone. Because John Chapman, who was a great preacher in Sydney, shared and witnessed the gospel to me, the good news of Jesus. And so at that moment, I literally fell on the ground. I was overwhelmed with this message and I wept and I gave my life to the Lord in great thanks for all that he had done for me. We should all have a testimony of how God has worked because God is still living and active in the world today. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus is amongst us. Yes, he is seated at the right hand of God but look at Paul in Acts chapter 9. On the road to Damascus, he encounters the living, resurrected Jesus. And so our testimony is about a man. We are witnesses that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross and raised again for the forgiveness of sins. Repent and believe the good news and you will be saved. You just have to open Paul's letters and all that happens in Acts to see that. The mission of restoring the kingdom is achieved through witness. And Paul talks about how important this is when he comes to writing the book of Romans. In chapter 10, he says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, that word sent is actually what mission means. It comes from the Greek word meaning to send. Our mission is, as Jesus says, to go, to send and make disciples of all nations how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news well finally I just want to practically mention uh, that our witness needs to go out in ever-increasing circles you think of what Jesus has told the disciples there in Acts chapter 1 He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, these were areas that effectively got bigger and bigger as he speaks. Now, often we think mission is something that people who are missionaries do. But that's not the case. We are all called to live lives worthy of the gospel, to be the ambassadors of Christ, as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians You see, mission starts in the home. Mission starts right where you are. How you live your marriages, how you raise your children. The great missionary work, I think, happens in places like schools. The majority of people give their life to Christ in their teenage years. It's why we're seeking a youth a youth pastor and a children's pastor. It's why we need to pray for the teachers amongst us who are working in schools. It's why we should be encouraging uh, those who are involved in children's ministry, SRE, all these things. They're so critical to the kingdom of God. But it doesn't stop there. Age is no barrier to people giving their life to Christ. In this last year, I must have heard... Three or four testimonies of people in their 70s giving their life. What greater time to be confronted with the mortality of death that is staring you in the face and asking those big questions. We should be ministering amongst all ages. Whatever it is that God has placed you into, that is your witnessing area. Ever-increasing circles. See, our responsibility is in the home. And remember, Jesus says, make disciples, not make converts. Everything we do at church is involved in our mission. Mission is the core of the church. Everything. Everything. The reason we have a church service is to to mature disciples and to bring people into the kingdom. The reason we do a kids' program, the reason we have events, the reason we should do anything is to grow people in their discipleship, in how they follow Jesus. And that will include conversions and it will include maturity and growth in faith. But it's not just our localized area. Jesus specifically says to the ends of the earth. You know, this month we're going to hear from Deb Neal, who's in Cambodia working in an orphanage. Uh, we're going to watch a video next week. We're going to hear from Operation Christmas Child, who also has a video about Cambodia. I think God may be uh, drawing us into a space here. And both of, those, uh, both of those videos for me had a great impact. So we need to be supporting and, and, and even sending teams. We should be raising up missionaries to go. We should be praying over those who are going into their workplaces locally, but financially and prayerfully supporting those go. And it's great that our church does that. It's great we've got a missions guide right here. And there's not just a couple of pages, there's 20 pages in there. And it's full of great things that people are doing. I know the heart of our church is very engaged with mission. And I'm hoping this month we can just continue to stoke that fire, stoke those coals and see it burning bright. I encourage you to sacrifice some finances, sacrifice some time in prayer, so that we can see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. See, our witness should go out in ever-increasing circles and uh, our missions team are actively continuing to do that. So what is mission? Well, mission is the restoration of God's kingdom through the testimony of Jesus, the good news of salvation by God's people to the ends of the earth. The restoration of God's people through the testimony of, uh, sorry, the restoration of God's kingdom through the testimony of God's people to the ends of the earth. I encourage you to start praying for people, sharing the gospel, and encouraging one another to be outward focused so that we can build that kingdom that we're called to. Father God, thank you for this time together. Thank you that we have been called to a purpose far greater than just running a church. That we are called to build the very kingdom that will go on into eternity. And Lord, we just pray that you bless our church as we seek to do that. We pray that the gospel, the good news that is preached here through life groups, through the pulpit, through conversations, through the lives that your people live, will have a great witness and so the harvester can come and harvest and lord we pray that out of us you will raise up people to harvest that we will have boldness to challenge people in their relationship with jesus that we will invite people to join us that we will form relationships with people and put it on them lord And Father God, if anyone is listening today who has not put their faith in the Lord Jesus, I pray that they will do that. That they will just say to you, God, I give my life to following Jesus. Please forgive me for my sin. As simple as that. And that we will know them and that we will disciple them and we will grow them. Father God, bless us now into this month. And watch over us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.